and welcome to another episode of Setting the Tone, an ER retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and joining me today, as always, are Lauren. Hello. And Daniel. Hey. Today we're discussing Season 4, Episode 4, which is titled When the Bow Breaks. The episode allegedly aired on October 16th, 1997. I say allegedly because there was conflicting reports. IMDb says the 23rd, other sources say the 16th. Either way. Lauren was going that week 24 years ago. It's anarchy. The 1997 World Series is set as the Cleveland Indians and Florida Marlins win their respective league championship series. On October 15th, former Illinois congressional representative Dan Rostenkowski is released from custody after serving 17 months for mail fraud stemming from the congressional post office scandal. Rosty was also instrumental in the Reagan administration's restructuring of the federal tax brackets. Hello, wealth inequality. Always a reminder, folks. Ronald Reagan's grave is a gender-neutral bathroom. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. But this guy doesn't get enough credit for, like, yes, Reagan was supremely shitty, but, like, this guy's not a name you hear nearly often enough. Like, this is a guy who was instrumental in setting up those tax cuts that completely decimated the economy for generations. Like, we are still feeling the effects of his bullshit today. Rusty. Moviegoers are in the mood for some horror, as I Know What You Did Last Summer, starring Jennifer Love Hewitt and Freddie Prince Jr., debuts and takes the number one spot at the box office. And as people mourn the death of Princess Diana... The two-song tribute combo of Candle in the Wind, 1997, and Something About the Way You Look Tonight by Elton John takes over the number one spot on the music charts. And that's such an odd combo. I am unfamiliar with the songs. I'm just kind of going off my Wikipedia article that I that I use. Candle in the Wind, I, I know much better than the other one. But I do, I do yeah. remember that this was like a big thing. Like it sort of became the anthem around mourning her. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's going to be our number one song for quite a while into next year. Oh, goody. Well, as far as what songs, else was on, I don't know exactly how to, yeah, eh, it's probably a tandem tandem deal. But yeah. as far as what else was on NBC that evening at 8 PM, we had uh, friends with the episode, the one with the ballroom dancing at 8 30 PM union square had the episode, a stool with a view, which I can only assume is about pooping near an open window. Uh, at 9 p.m., <laughs> Seinfeld checked in with the episode The Blood. And at 9.30 p.m., Veronica's Closet, the episode Veronica's Not Happy About the Book. This week's episode had 32.8 million viewers tuning in, up just a few hundred thousand from last week. Uh, this week's episode is directed by Richard Thorpe, doing his seventh out of 31 episodes. Previous ones of his we've talked about from last season included Make-A-Wish, Tribes, and Ghosts. And this week's episode is written by Jack Orman, doing his first out of 28 episodes that he would do through 2002. Uh, He was a longtime producer on the series um, between, I think, 1997 and 2003. And he was also a producer on the TV series Jag. Oh, yeah, that show did exist. Yeah, for much longer than you think. Yeah, maybe a lawyer. Everyone loves him. Yeah. Previously on is brought to us by Carol this week. And the episode opens with Carla coming to the door because Benton is not is dropping stuff because Benton is dropping stuff off since he's on call and couldn't get anyone to cover for him. Carla says he'll need a key if he's going to keep coming and going at really weird hours. And Benton is bringing a bunch of life-saving stuff for Reese, such as masks, defibrillator, oxygen, and he also runs Carla through the procedures because of how long it can take paramedics to get there. So if baby Reese crashes, he wants Carla to be prepared. Definitely, definitely overthinking it here, Benton. Um, but then Carol and Doug are roller skating by Buckingham Fountain. Carol is very cute and fashionable in her oversized Bulls jersey and leggings. I don't even know if it's a jersey. It's more just an oversized Bulls shirt. But yeah, it's... it looks like a baseball jersey, almost yeah. like an oversized baseball jersey, but just with Bulls colors yeah. and stuff. But it's it's a very cute look. And Doug refuses to wear a helmet because, of the, course, he does. Chicago geography question: Is this the same area that we saw uh, Mark and Doug playing handball um, like last season sometime? Like approximately, were... yeah, same yeah. same park ish. Yeah, same, same general, on the lake area. from the lakefronts. Yeah. Just Grand across Park. Lake Shore, you know, just across Lake Shore Drive from um, Buckingham Fountain. Yeah, gotcha. So, right along the lake. Uh, and then we, after that, we go into our first audio of the episode. Uh, Mark is laying on his couch when Jen comes knocking at the door, and of note, he has a really weird-looking uh, doorstop 
that's like embedded into the floor and you know that because you know that's what normal people do so it's fine mark are you there mark who is it it's me jen just a sec Wrong? No, no, I got it. Come on in. Sleep in your clothes? No. What's that? Oh, uh, it's a infomercials thing. Sorry, I wasn't expecting visitors. Uh, what's up? Rachel fell asleep in class Monday. She said her daddy kept her up watching movies all weekend. You never went out. You ordered pizza every night. Well, you came here to tell me how to spend time with my daughter? It's getting to her. She's nervous and her stomach hurts all the time. She's worried about you. She is? I am. Look at this place, Mark. I mean, it's perfectly normal to be frightened after something like that happens. Oh, don't try to fix me, Jen, okay? It's not your job anymore. Fine. I'm not dropping Rachel off this weekend. Don't come to the house expecting to pick her up. You can't keep me from seeing my daughter. You need some time to work this out until you're more yourself. Hey, Jen, look, I am her father, okay? And she loves you, but you're hurting her right now. I'm doing you a favor, Mark. Call me when you have your life back together. So Mark is still having a very normal one. Yeah. Also, no, also no two, his apartment is filthy. And you can tell that's the uh, the late '90s because he's watching Emerald on TV. Just noticed that as we were listening to the cliff, like he's totally yeah. watching Emerald cooking videos on. Well, I guess it would have been an Emerald cooking show, but if it were, if it were 2021, he would totally be watching YouTube and it would be Emerald cooking videos. Yeah, his his white pants and white shirt. I don't know why that look just like freaks me out so much, but everything about his current persona freaks me out. Like everything yeah. he just has, like. He has big, disgruntled, white male energy right now. Like, yeah. Right. And, and when Jen's talking about, like, oh, you know, you guys get pizza and you hang out and stay up late watching movies, I was like, that was every weekend at my dad's house That's every when we'd go visit currently. him. Yeah, okay, but as a kid, a <laughs> little more formative, but I was like, yeah, that was just, that was, is that not everybody's childhood? I felt, I felt was called out by Jen. Yeah. It's like, is that, is that not a normal No, thing? it wasn't. That wasn't my childhood. We got we got a lot of pizza, but because we had really good pizza places in Buffalo Grove, but yeah, yeah. I, I don't think that's why we got a lot of pizza. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we come right out of that childhood trauma into uh, the intro with some bangs. The twinkles continue to be dead in that ditch. Uh, we come out of the intro with Carter at his locker doing affirmations as he ties his tie, and uh, Delabico's making fun of him for it. And Carter actually, you know, kudos to him says, "Unless I change my approach, I'm going to be miserable my whole internship." So, you know, good on you, Carter. Maybe, like, you do need to change a little bit in order to experience some growth. Mark should take notes. It's almost like he has some experience with this whole internship thing. Yeah, it seems like he's maybe done it before. Uh, But we go right out of that. We meet some new uh, expendable med students that won't be around for very long. We just got rid of uh, Chastity and completely, like, forgot about Henry already. Like, Henry's gone. Will return, but is gone for now. But this week we are introduced to James and Ivan, uh, and James is played by actor Justin Henry and appeared in movies like Kramer vs. Kramer, 16 Candles, and My Own Worst Enemy, and Ivan is played by actor Joel De La Fuente. Love that name. Joel De La Fuente, who appeared in stuff like The Man in the High Castle, Hemlock Grove, and on a recurring role on Law & Order SVU, and they are both making their first out of two appearances. They will both be gone by the end of next episode, so... I just, I have to question, like, why we can rotate through these med students so easily. Like, wouldn't they right? have the same kind of standing that Carter would have had in season one as far as I longevity? Know. Carter was a fucking student for, like, a year and a half, and we have cycled through, like, no less than half a dozen med students in about that same time. Like, about a year and a half, we've cycled through ton. I mean, obviously, Gant is a completely different story altogether, but, like, uh, all the rest of the students that were with... Gant's group they've all disappeared 
you know, the, the two that started at the beginning of this season, the one is we know is gone forever. Henry will stick around for a while, but, and now we've got these two. And like I said, they'll be gone by the end of next episode. So they clearly well, don't attach da- very much permanence to that position. Well, Dale is still around too. Yeah, but right? uh, we've, yeah, but we've talked in the yeah, background. He is, he is still around. Yes. But we've also talked to about how they don't seem to really know where Dale is in the hierarchy of things. Like Dale's position yeah. seems to change. Like sometimes he's on, the same footing as Carter. Sometimes he's portrayed as being above Carter. It's like they don't seem to really they can't agree on where Dale is in his uh in his studies. So can we just have Lucy yet? We're no. Gonna, every Damn. episode we inch closer and closer. We're getting there. I always forget how much you love Lucy. She's uh anyway. Ha 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 sitcom Joe. Well, didn't I didn't even mean to. Everyone go watch WandaVision. <laughs> um but then from there Doug comes in with a bump on his head, and he says it was from a sports injury, but he won't say anything more than that because he and Carol are still keeping things secret. And we look, and the admit desk are all watching the news because there is a high-speed chase with cops chasing a motorcyclist. Because that always ends well. Yeah, that'll be fine. Yeah, that definitely won't play into future events at all. Yeah. No. Total throwaway. Yeah. Oh. And remember... Remember that whole like research thing we had going on? Was that last episode or that was episode two? Um, I believe that was episode. No, I think it was. I don't know. It was, it was in one of the two. Where... Yeah. Either way, like Carrie finally got Doug's proposal, research proposal from the pediatric department because he wasn't getting around to giving it to her. Uh, she's pushing him to finish a review to finish a reviewed article that gives him a bunch of options and outlines because she can't continue to pay him without grant funds. Hmm. Hmm. Her recurring storyline much. And there was an error here. Uh and actually I'm not sure if it's here because I think when they're um when they're talking here, they're talking in front of the uh vending machines and chairs. Is that mm-hmm. that sound about right? Yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah. yeah. So I think I have this mislabeled. It's it actually comes up a little bit later. Um but basically I'll just say it here. There there's a scene just a little bit later than this where uh Carrie comes up to bring some more materials to Doug and as she's walking up to him, she totally calls him Mark. And it does not get caught by anybody. So it was totally probably just a slip up by Lauren as they just, they just left in. But just thought that was interesting. So if you want to go look for that, it's at time code 718. But uh, after that, uh, Anna says to Car- says that Carter can pick the med student this time since he got royally boned with Henry being such a fuck up. <laughs> How thoughtful. Yeah. Um, then we have a trauma coming in. This is a 19-year-old who was hit by a car who messed his leg up pretty bad. He's under the delusion that he's an angel. And I want to note, I recognize him as the deaf gentleman from The Replacements. But Daniel, who is he actually? He is actor David Denman, uh, who, as Lauren said, appeared in stuff like The Replacements. Uh, he was also Roy on The Office, uh, Pam's boyfriend slash fiancé. Yeah, fiancé, who ends up they end up breaking up and then her and jim get together um he was also in the movie puzzle and the uh right wing snuff film 13 hours uh the the benghazi movie he was uh he was in that one don't i don't know that necessarily was an endorsement of it that him being in it it's just a paycheck he's an actor but you know yeah i didn't see that one i'm just gonna say that but her emails um (laughs) but carla is uh our next scene is carla getting picked up by her friend defina so yeah how we pronounce Def- her name? Def- yeah. okay. Defina. Uh, but yes, Defina. And Peter is not happy with this because the the woman in question that Carla is with still smokes. And Elizabeth is walking to work and walks up and gets all nosy. And it's just all so awkward because they have such a weird family situation going on here. And Carla gets so frosty when Elizabeth leaves. Yeah. Like, we thought, oh, Carla's been doing pretty good. She's on a pretty good trajectory. The minute Elizabeth walks away, we're back to season three late Carla. Yay. For a flash. For a Doesn't flash. Re- for a flash. Doesn't really hang around. I don't care. I still didn't like it. Carla has been really okay. Yeah. Like when we Credit where credit's when, due. Yeah. When we say we have this vis- visceral hatred for this woman as a character, it's coming. Comes yeah, Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's. Yeah. This is by no means a permanent, uh, but it, but it is nice to like. That's why I like that we go through every single one of these. It's because you miss sometimes a lot of these little mini peaks where like a character who you might not always have liked in broad strokes, they do maybe have these little two or three episode runs where they're actually kind of pleasant. Uh, but we know it doesn't last. But uh, we go from there to uh, Delamico examining a boy having a prolonged asthma attack, and the uh, 
patient's grandmother is in the room asking for, quote, a real doctor and specifically requesting Doug. And I got completely swerved on this as I was watching it because I was trying to take notes and watch because Carol is in the room with Delamico. And Mm -hmm. so I thought that and the actress looks kind of similar. I thought that the grandmother here was Carol's mom and that this was like a nephew or something of Mm -hmm. like Carol's. Because she specifically requests Doug. She has a similar accent to Carol's mom. And just the fact that Carol was in the room to seem to have a personal connection to this boy. Like it was like, I, I was very confused at first. Um, but it's not Carol's mom. It's a uh, character named Mrs. Landetta, who's played by actress Lillian Hurst, who appeared in stuff like the movie Orange County, uh, Lost, and Cold Case, among other things. Uh, we go back out to the. Uh, admit desk where we see Doug and the nurses watching the motorcycle chase right here is where Carrie walks up to Doug mm. and uh, accidentally calls it Mark 718 was that time code uh, the grandmother as we're standing there watching uh, watching them watch the TV the grandmother uh, comes out grabs Doug and pulls him into the consult and uh, he kind of regretfully sheepishly takes over for Delamico so we'll circle back to this a little later and uh, speaking of people coming back, we have uh, Al is back in the ER getting his stitches out, but Jeannie is surprised to see him, so let's listen to their conversation. Al! Hey, wh- what are you doing here? I'm getting my stitches out. Now? I really didn't have anything else to do. What happened? I showed up at the new site, and you know, the foreman said that there must have been some kind of mix-up Said he was maxed out. Didn't need any more guys. Al, I'm sorry. Hey, look, the guy's a jerk. You'll find something else. <laughs> Not in construction. Every contractor in Chicago will hear that I have AIDS. Uh, look, I know this is hard for you. It was hard for me. I work in medicine where people understand. But it gets better. No one wonders how you got it. I used to be one of those guys. We tell fag jokes. Believe me, it won't get any better. Got some lovely 90s uh, gay slurs in the, going on there. But uh, yeah, so what's up, discrimination? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is sort of what we touched on uh, when Al came in with his coworker after the accident. Like, the... the stark contrast in experience between him and Jeannie you know obviously Jeannie's had it really pretty rough but Al's arguably had it or Al's up against a different beast altogether in Mm -hmm. his world and uh, this whole situation is deteriorating with Al a lot faster than I remembered like I remembered I I, in my memories like I I remember Al being almost a constant presence in Jeannie's story almost until she's gone and I just looked, and we only have, like, three appearances left with uh, Al. Yeah, I knew he was gone by end of season four, right? Yeah, it's going to be, like, I think season uh, season four, episode nine, I think, is his last one. And yeah, because he's, he's, he's won, like, Walt. To get he'll get, with the cop. Right, he'll get mentioned again, you know, like, off screen. He will, just won't be seen. But, uh, yeah. yeah, I was surprised at how quickly we're circling the drain with Al. From there we go, Carter is guiding his new student, Ivan, through the process of sticking IVs. And Benton comes down to talk to Carter, and it turns out Carter had paged him for a consult on another patient, but didn't provide an ultrasound, because he thought, you know, like, we've seen this a hundred times, I know what this is, let me save you the time, and Benton chews him out because he needs the ultrasound before he can proceed as, you know, a surgical admit. So, damned if you don't, and we'll come to damned if you do a little later. (laughs) And then, um... Delamico is giving Carol crap for having gone out with Doug before just because, you know, Anna's pissed at how Doug's been lately and just like, oh, he's such an asshole. How how could you have dated that? And um, I think it's Carrie mm-hmm. that says if he can't charm or vilify you, he's lost. So like all the women at the admin desk are just <laughs> bitching about Doug and Carol's like, oh, he's not that bad. I mean, Carrie kind of kind of nailed him a little bit, though. Like she kind of kind of like hit a little too close to home there and as if this episode wasn't a charmer already uh doris is back not doris our favorite emt um but doris the quote-unquote i hate saying this the, Mm -hmm. the drug user but they refer to her as a crackhead it makes you feel kind of dirty to say it in 2021 doesn't it? it does so 
um, the heavy drug user, we'll say that, um, is complaining of pain and that triage never examined her. Carol says for her to go back to chairs and that she'll be seen shortly. Uh, but the paramedic radio goes off and I don't know about you guys, but I love myself a good mass casualty incident. Yes. Mass casual, mass casualty incident episode. Let's, let's clarify. As far as ER episodes go, they're definitely some of my favorite because you get some of the most dynamic um, ensemble. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll perform. see that. We'll see that shortly. But the paramedic radio is going off, and Carol answers to requests, and uh, they say there's an influx of trauma patients coming in from a school bus accident uh, involved with uh, related to that high speed chase. A police car uh, hit a school bus. Well, <laughs> gotta shit. love it. Um, and Carrie's getting everyone prepped up and set, and then wondering where the fuck Mark is. Oh. Um, yeah. Of note, they said they could take three major patients. That comes into play later. So. Yeah, they ain't getting three. Yeah. But yeah, as soon as, as soon as Carrie asks if anyone has seen Mark, we do a quick transition out to the L steps where we see Mark sitting down smoking when his pager goes off and he starts his long walk back into the ER. Real. Real cool, my dude. Mark's normal one continues. Uh, we go back inside, see uh, Elizabeth getting off the elevator, very shocked to see how crazy the ER is with the accident. She should be used to this by now, though. Like, two out of her three episodes so far, there's been some major catastrophe going on in the ER. First, it was a brawl. Yeah. Now, you know, mass casualty incident. Like, no big deal. Just another day at the office for Elizabeth Corday. Um there's a school teacher uh, who has arrived who's injured uh, asking Cynthia for help locating a student. Uh, very harrowing scene here. Uh, Cynthia directs her to uh, the phone so that she can call the child's parents. Uh, they're just wheeling in tons of kids from the ambulances in various, you know, various uh, conditions. And just sheer insanity as we get all these descriptions of how bad all the kids are and just like some are in really bad shape others are just cuts and bruises like it's like these episodes are so good for this like these episodes are so good for really driving home that kind of the like chaotic nature of the er Mm -hmm. yeah there are there are definitely no paragraph breaks in the notes for these episodes it's just like bullet 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 no all all quick hitters (laughs) so just kind of rolling with the punches here uh Delmico run is running one of the tra- uh, traumas with Carter, and then one of the other traumas in the other trauma room we have uh, Mark and Doug. Doug's gonna be a busy boy this episode. He sure is. But on a lighter note, whose films are those in either of the trauma rooms? Because these kids have not had time to get scans. Um, we find out one of the girls. I think this is the one that's being worked on by Delamico and Carter. Um, she has major arm trauma and Elizabeth and Benton are there working hard to stem the damage so she won't fully lose her arm. Uh, so you say major arm trauma. It's literally hanging on by a skin tag. Yeah. So they're working. Yeah. So they, they have to safely remove the arm the rest of the way so they can then take it up for better reattachment upstairs, but get it on ice for now and, you know, make sure it heals right. So, um, then Carrie is running an exam with Jeannie and the nurses out in cur- one of the curtains. And a gentleman comes in having fallen off the roof installing a satellite dish. Talk about bad timing coming in in the middle of a mass casualty <laughs> incident because you fell off your roof. Maybe just go to Mercy, dude. <laughs> mm. Or wherever. Uh, but the girl's arm has been completely severed now. Uh, mm. Gross. Um, and her upper arm is is pumping blood. Uh, right under Carter's student, you know, in traditional ER fashion, you have to <laughs> soak the newbie in blood. Uh, but Carter's student pukes and has to be sidelined because of that. And uh, the roof guy may have a collapsed uh, chest, like broken ribs and, and such. And a collapsed lung, yeah. Yeah, collapsed lung. Ooh, yeah, I want to I want to point out, like, where they have this girl's arm cut off. Think about, like, halfway up your bicep. So they mm. just have this little like chicken wing wag- waggling and you didn't just need pumping to say blood. That. You didn't need to say that. <laughs> you had enough context. Yeah. Uh, I think the yeah, people yeah, can yeah. figure uh, can picture it at It's home. just okay. such a good visceral and like such so well done by the um, props department and like the prosthetics and everything. So I want to give attention where it's deserved. That's, that's true. Yeah, Excuse we got to go vomit. Yeah, if it squicks you out, it's worth bringing up again because you don't often, you don't often. No, I'm saying because you don't often get too queasy by what they show on the show. So if it's that bad, 
it must really be well done. Well, no, it's not necessarily like what they show is disgusting because they don't really show honestly a whole lot except for the blood, but um, just kind of a general mess of tissue. Parts. Yeah, tissue. Um, it's just you describing it as a chicken wing. It's <laughs> that's what that's what uh, makes me go. Bleh. I mean, it's a small child. Like that's you know. Yeah. Oh my god. The joints are. The joints are smaller. Like it's fine. It's fine. Let's go check and in with you, I'm and done. Tr- and you've <laughs> done. And you've truncated most of the arm. Let's, let's let's go see what's happening in the other room. Uh, what Mark, the hell happens next? <laughs> Mark and Doug are working trying to resuscitate a little boy who has a dead gecko in his hand. Like I guess it was like his little pet or good luck charm or whatever. Show like, and I think it was. Or show and I think tell. It was show, it was. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. So he's holding a gecko in his in his hand. Oh God. And. We see Carol giving Cynthia a tray to take over to the other trauma. And then um, just as she does that, she notices a trail of blood on the floor leading out of one of the bathrooms. And Carol follows that trail of blood into the bathroom to find Doris. Again, not Doris, the EMT. Doris, the uh, previously mentioned patient. Uh, So we will circle back to see what happens with that. And then we have Jeannie frantically searching for Mark because she needs someone to do a chest tube on her patient. This will also come into play later. This episode is just nonstop rapid fire. And I want to note the kid with the gecko was the kid that the teacher was looking for earlier. Yes. Because she mentions the gecko. So like when we see that that reveal of the gecko in his hand, we're like, oh, no. (laughs) How will we save on car insurance now? Oh, God. Oh, my God. Really, chicken wing was too much, but that's fine. <laughs> it's it's a joke. Does he? <laughs> that's not describing a body part. I'm I'm comparing a dead prop. A dead dead prop gecko, dead gecko to... jokes are fair game, but Lizzie draws the lines at chicken wing, uh, children's bones comparisons. Like that's that's where the line is for Lizzie. Dead gecko jokes, fair game though. So Lizzie, take us into the next mess of this episode. Oh shit! Uh, so Doris is having a baby. But she's still high, so she thinks she just has a poop. <laughs> Which is really funny how she acts it, actually. It's really well done. She's like, no, I just gotta take a dump. <laughs> yeah, so the the baby comes out pretty quickly. Uh, baby is very gray and disturb, disturbing looking. Uh, lots of lots of excellent prop work that just makes you want to go, this episode. Um, but clearly a stillborn baby has Mark and, Carrie, uh, Mark and Carol... Uh, attempt to evaluate it and Doris starts to claim that quote that bitch dropped my baby referring to Carol even though Carol never laid a hand on it yeah because like it just just kind of rocketed out Carol didn't wasn't even like over there she was grabbing something else when it happened she was like trying to like clear the area and try to like clear the bed Mm -hmm. uh, in the room and Benton comes in to to attempt to help and he is uh you know reasonably squicked out no not squicked out but reasonably disturbed by seeing a stillborn baby he looks like he has nom flashbacks like he comes in and like immediately goes like catatonic you can tell he's clearly thinking this is what reese could be going through yeah yeah from there genie is going to attempt to do the chest tube herself because the doctors aren't coming so she hasn't done it yet but she's trying to prep herself up for it because She's looking around. There's no doctors. She's called for Mark. Mark's not coming. And for the record, she is not allowed to do this yes. based on her HIV prevention. Because standards. she will be sticking her finger into a what is it? An unexplored uh, cavity with uh, with poor visibility or something yeah. like that. But yeah, so she's she's trying really hard to avoid doing this, but it's looking like she might have no option. Um, and then Doris thinks that she's having another baby. And Mark says, no, you just have to deliver the placenta. Gross. You think chicken wing's disgusting? I, I, I draw the line at childbirth. And yeah. then long a guy, a.k.a. the guy who fell off the roof that Jeannie's working on, his son calls over to Carrie to help with Jeannie doing the chest tube because he's like, I don't think she knows what she's doing. We need somebody else over there immediately. Yikes. Yikes. Um, who plays the son? Yeah, the son, uh, who's the one that brought the older gentleman in, uh, Ricky is the guy's name, and the actor is Nicholas Sadler, who appeared in stuff like Scent of a Woman, Twister, one of Lizzie gets another excuse to talk about Twister, uh, uh, and yeah. Disclosure, among other things. Any any Twister comments? We always usually have something. 
I mean, I just started watching Superstore, and one of and the creepy guy who apparently has sex with one of the women with uh, woman with poor self esteem on the staff. Uh, and he's a major creep, and um, is one of the dudes from Twister. For reference, a- for reference, his character's name in Twister was Kubrick. So you tell me if that's somebody you remember or not. I know, I remember his face. He was one of the nav- he was one of the guys on the, with the net. Na- he was one of the navigators. Was wow. he um, on on the good guy team or Carrie Elway's team? No, he was on the good guy team. He okay. was on Bill Paxton's team. Okay. Um, R.I.P. R.I.P. Oh, now I'm sad. I know. Me too. Um, so then Mark asks Carol to put an IV in Doris because she's bleeding out and they just need to give her fluids and get her stable. Doris says she doesn't want Carol. She will take any other nurse or doctor, but not Carol, after Carol, quote, dropped her baby. And Jeannie has successfully gotten the chest tube in right before Carrie gets there. And based on Carrie's look, there is going to be words later. Carrie is not happy about this life-saving measure that Jeannie did. Hey... What's the theme of this episode? Damned if you do, damned if you don't. Damned if you do, damned if you don't. At least with Al and Jeannie. Yes. Uh, but Mark calls the baby's time of death, and uh, Benton Benton has feelings. Didn't know he had those. I know, right? It's almost like having a child changes your life in ways you don't expect. <laughs> um, but also, excellent, excellent audio on this from a uh, friend of the show, Martin. Yes, very, very good. So we go out of there... Uh, Benton still obviously very kind of shell-shocked from the whole situation, really zoned out, and uh, goes to call Carla. We then see Carter working on a boy with a pen stuck in his palm. Ouch, gross. Uh, The kid asks if he can sue because he wanted to go to art school, which doesn't make complete sense because it's in his non-dominant hand. But, hey, you know, get your free college where you get, kid. Like, Lord knows, student loans are a bitch. Uh, Doug goes to apologize to Delamico for barging in on her with the asthma kid. Uh, and then as uh, they're having finishing up that little interaction uh, and a student comes back and has missed this entire uh, segment <laughs> of the episode because just before everything went to shit, she told him to go to lunch. So he went to lunch it's and su- got to miss all of it. It's such a good beat when he comes back down. He goes, well, what happened? Yeah. Yeah. You, you really forget and, about him. And the uh, cop who plowed into the bus uh, is alive and he was asking how the kids were doing and Carrie was like, we were able to save just about everyone. He does not feel great about that information. Yeah. Then we have our next audio for you right after that. So out of all that chaos, there obviously wasn't really good audio to capture unless, like I said, go watch, go watch it. It's great TV. Um, but our next audio here, we go up to the surgical floor. Uh, El- Corday and Benton are working on the little girl's uh, arm to try to reattach it. Let me tie off this bleeder. Marines have arrived. What? Are you with me, Peter? Oh, yeah. You know, you certainly managed to surprise me this morning, and that doesn't happen often, I can say. What do you mean? I like to think I can read people rather well, but I certainly didn't have you pegged as a family man. Why not? Most surgical residents aren't. And you strike me as ambitious, driven. I wonder how you'll manage it. Lovely wife, though. Actually, she's not my wife. Well, there you go. You surprised me again. I love Corday so much. So good. <laughs> uh, not, not everything has to be a nice, beautiful nuclear family, okay? Yep, and that's exactly what she's saying. She's like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Family, family is messy. Yes, it is. And I just, I have to say again, I love their whole dynamic. I'm so excited to see where it goes, and I'm so sad it's so short-lived. I know, I'm really excited for their relationship, and it's very cute. But then 19-year-old Angel Boy is ranting about negative energy in the ER and how Mark is surrounded by it. Um, Mark steps out and asks Cynthia how she's holding up, because this is her first real big trauma that she's had to work through. And she's like, oh, I'm okay. And then Mark gets called back into the room with the 19-year-old, and Angel Boy tells Mark that Cynthia likes him. Ooh. She got a crush on you. But then Carrie talks to Carol about the dropped baby incident and asks her to fill out an incident report saying, like, due to her suspension the year before, she's really got to be careful to file this correctly and, like, be like, yep, and, you know, get get Mark to back you up since he was in there, too, and you should be fine. 
totally not a problem right right um sure yeah and then the driver from the high-speed chase has been apprehended and is being brought in to the er and specifically being tucked away in the suture room to be evaluated Hmm. Hmm. Uh, and then uh, Carrie has some words for Jeannie uh, for doing that chest tube on someone with broken ribs. And, you know, Jeannie's trying to defend herself like, bro, I saved the dude. I saved this guy's life. That's, you know, what would you have? Like, what else what was would I you have me do? do? Yeah. What else am I supposed to do? Let him die. And Carrie says, that's the risk you take when continuing to work here with HIV. Yep. Ooh. Okay. I thought this for some reason. I thought this this whole storyline was uh, later in season four, but no, it's going to be over the next couple episodes. Yeah, it's. Um, I don't know. How do you feel about how, how do as a group? How do we feel about Carrie's reaction to Jeannie here? Like justified, not I, justified, <sighs> shitty, not shitty. I think it's justified to a degree, but I think you know, I think the ends justify the means. Right. I think, yeah, I think, I think she's right to be, she's right to have concerns about it and she's right to say like, okay, this is not what we had agreed upon. But I think also like context is important and circumstances matter. And like, she literally was in a do or die situation where this, this guy's only chance at living is if I, you know, and yes, it could have gone bad, but it didn't. And it wasn't like Jeannie did it recklessly or Jeannie did it to prove some kind of point or did it because she just wanted to do it. She did it because she had literally no other choice. So I do think it's kind of a shit take from Carrie there to, especially when she throws it back in her face too, where she's like, that's the risk you take with, like it's somehow her fault that she's got HIV and like that, you know, especially when Carrie's been so supportive of her. Yeah. Carrie's been so supportive of her up until now and to have one incident completely undermine all of that just feels really shitty. I think it's that, and I think it's also the fact that, you know, like you said, context matters. She tried mm-hmm. to get, she tried to flag down another doctor several times. She had yeah. nurses go to get the doctors. It's not like this was like, um, it's not like this was like during a normal average everyday thing. She right. was like, oh, fuck it. I'm just going to put in a chest tube. I'm no. just going to stick my finger in a guy. Yeah. This was like as a very desperate last ditch resort. And I feel like Carrie is seeing this whole situation as very black and white. Mm-hmm. I think that's absolutely not the way to look at this. Yeah. So it's, and I think this is the beginning of the, the carry that a lot of people have issues with Mm -hmm. is when she starts behaving like this on a bigger scale with more authority. Yeah. Yeah. We're definitely getting into, I think prime time sort of evaluation period for Carrie as a character, like where I think a lot of people's hard, hard baked opinions of Carrie Weaver, the character start getting formed right around here. So be interesting to see how that plays out but we go from there to the suture room where carter is examining the driver and he has a mysterious bruise that looks like he was struck with something uh not from the crash hmm hmm and we go uh back to the trauma room where we see carol tearing down the room uh with the deceased little boy in it and tries to talk to mark about the incident report involving the baby and uh, Mark says he can't back her up because he uh, claims he didn't see what happened one way or the other. And uh, this is another one where I'm not sure how I feel about it. Like, I'm not sure. A, I'm not sure if I, like, I, if he truly didn't see it, then sure. Like, that's, that's obviously the right thing to, like, I, I don't, even if it's people you like, you shouldn't, you know, lie for people yeah. in those circumstances. But um, I don't know that I believe Mark. Like, I don't know that I believe him that he says he didn't see it like i think he just doesn't want to be involved so he's like "Mm, didn't see it like out of sight out of mind i don't know but i don't know if i'm being too harsh on mark just because he's being shitty lately Uh, and then finally after all of this chaos starts to boil uh, starts to boil down a little bit uh doug goes back in to check on the little asthmatic boy and grandma mentions that he's still having diarrhea which uh anna didn't mention yeah because i i do want to point out here Anna had suggested at the very beginning when she was evaluating that they needed to take a stool sample, but then the grandma ran off to get Doug and that never happened. Yeah. And then Doug was just like, yeah, whatever, I'll just take it. Whoops. Um, But then Carol is examining Doris and talking to her about what happened. And we find out Doris didn't know she was pregnant and she says she would have stopped the drugs if she had known. And they just, they have kind of a heartfelt moment and a little bit of an understanding here as doris is coming down off of her off of her intoxication 
So we'll go back to that. It becomes very important a little bit later. Just Doris's whole situation. Um, Ivan apologizes to Carter for puking. And he just says, you know, oh, I really need to get honors. I like, are you going to, is this going to affect my evaluation? I really need to perform well. So poor little Ivan. I wish like, I wish they developed any of these students more. Yeah. I get that they don't want to have to have another like Carter under Carter. True. Like that eventually the kind, there's going to be kind of a collapse of hierarchy if they have too many layers to it. Um, But yeah, so Carter's like, it's no problem. Go home, get some rest. We'll do it again tomorrow. It's fine. And somebody somebody at the admit desk is Benton is getting ready to leave. Says, oh, are you leaving early? And Benton is, actually says, no, I'm leaving on time for once. And he gets he gets ready to head out. But then... The motorcycle guy is crashing and Benton jumps in to lead the team and gets mad at Carter for not calling him to consult him on this one. Damned if you do, so, damned if you don't. Yeah. And not getting a CT because the guy was stable. It's like, yeah, let's just order all these expensive tests on a on a patient who presents as completely stable. Yeah, fine. yeah, that's standard operating procedure. Definitely won't get yelled at for that. Yeah, exactly. So we uh, go back to check on Angel Boy, uh, whose family has been contacted. We find out he's likely off of his meds. Uh, probably didn't take a committee to figure that one out. Uh, surprise, surprise. <laughs> Delmico tells Carter uh, to talk to Mark about what Benton did or how how Benton's been treating him. Uh, and then we see Doug and Delamico getting into it as uh, Doug tries to tell Anna that they work as a team, and then she throws it right back into his face, starts to chew him out. Uh, but they get interrupted by the little boy's mother, uh, the little boy with the gecko that passed away. Uh, she pops up. Very familiar-looking actress, very familiar face. Couldn't I mean, she's been in a lot of different things, a lot of recognizable things, but seems to be very um, kind of minor background roles, so I'm sure it's one of those situations where we've seen her face before. Um, but maybe have not heard her speak. Um, she's played by actress Jacqueline Schultz, who appeared in stuff like Jurassic Park, The Lost World, uh, the TV series Titus, and an episode of The X-Files. And uh, after the very painful converse- conversation with the mother, uh, Anna tries to support Doug and back him up in this whole thing. So very, very sad situation with this little boy. And then Elizabeth tells Benton to go home and that she can handle the splenectomy as we see Benton trying to scrub in for it. And... He's like, no, I got it, I got it. And she's like, don't, don't take advantage of my, or take advantage of my generosity when it comes up. You're not going to get this opportunity that often. Go home, I've got this. And he finally is like, okay. And then as he's like rinsing his hands off to leave, he says, oh, tell Hicks that I, Hmm. and she's like, yep, I got it, go. And it's like, oh, okay, Hicks is quote unquote still around, I guess. In in the arms of the angels, plays softly in the distance. Bobbed away with me. (sighs) And then Mark is trying to give the 19-year-old the Haldol, and this kid says, you need to make friends with the fear. Like, embrace the light. You can't live in the darkness. Make friends with the fear. It's like, what the hell? And because Mark's going through this huge crisis, he actually, like, listens to the kid for a minute. Very well done by The fear is Cynthia. Um. (laughs) Yikes. (laughs) Oh, but... I think is this like the first like big Benton and Carter moment that's like right outside the hospital because there's a couple of these spread out um, throughout he, the series. He had his um, this is definitely this is probably the most well I don't know though because the other one this is all, this is definitely like the first time that it turns physical, but um, yeah, we had that moment in last season after Gant died where Carter con- yeah. Carter confronted him on the the L platform. Yeah, and, but, but that was, was more, more thinking that like was direct- more like, you know, commiserate with me, mourn with me, like let's let's not pretend like this didn't happen, kind of thing. This is much more of like Carter standing up for himself. Yeah, and will not be the only time these two uh, almost come to blows or do come to blows. There are some physical altercation here. But anyway, let's listen to them. Dr. Ben, Dr. Ben, hang on a second. I want to talk to you. No, no, Carter. No, wait. You know, for a long time, I bought into your abuse and your humiliation because I thought I was learning something. You were. No, but, okay, even if there was a point to it then, there's no point to it now. Good night, Carter. You know, I'm really tired of you blowing me off. You're gonna have to talk to me. You wanna talk? You wanna talk now? Right now. Carter. No. 
Carter, move. No. Carter, move. No. Carter, get out of here. You're not going into going. Get off me. You okay? But you care? Carter, what the hell is your problem? You no, know, I'm not your student anymore. I know that. Then you could treat me like any other colleague. You're not a colleague, you're an intern. For three years, I did everything you asked of me and more. I deserve your respect because I earned it. And you threw it away. Why, because I don't want to be like you? No, because you wasted my time. This isn't about your time, this is about your egotism. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah, Carter. I'm, I'm egotistical, you know what? I got a lot of people that work damn hard to make sure I am where I am. And for them, I got to be self-centered. I don't take time for anything. But you, man, man, I did for you, Carter. Dead, man. You decide you don't want to be a surgeon, you don't come to me. You go to Anspa. Well, I was afraid you'd talk me out of it. I wish I had the chance to try. <sighs> hey, okay. You're right, I'm sorry. Can I go home now? Yeah. Give me Carter. You don't want to be treated like my student? Stop seeking my approval. Couple things. One, that's damn perfect. Two, I miss being downtown and hearing the L all the time. <laughs> I, I just, that sound, I'm like, oh, okay. That's what it's like to not be in my apartment all the time. Great. Three, I love that we finally get to hear how Benton feels about Carter having left the program and the fact that they acknowledge that Carter didn't even go to him mm -hmm. last season about this. Like, that he's actually hurt. That Carter didn't bother to come to him with this complaint or this this thought the first that he went directly above him to Anspa. I love that they finally are like, no, Benton fucking cares. He's upset. Like, yeah. this is why he's been shitting on you, Carter, is because... He gave you time and you threw it away and didn't ask for his opinion after everything. And it makes so much more sense, too, that, like, we didn't get that at the end of season three or even at the very beginning of this season. Um, you know, like, because I think we talked about that in the live episode uh, where. Right. Because, you know, we're coming back off the break. The first time we see Benton and Carter interact, it's very cold and very dismissive on Benton's part. He clearly doesn't want anything to do with Carter. And I think you remarked, Lauren, that you were like, damn, like, why didn't we get to see, you know, Carter talking to Benton about this and consulting about this? Right. And it makes it so much better that he didn't mm -hmm. because then it comes out in an emotional moment like this, you know, like it's it comes off, you know, he almost gets to throw it back in Carter's face like it's a slap in the face, you know, like. We actually, like you said, we we get our first kind of window into how Benton feels about not only the, the current situation, but Carter in general. Like, he clearly does, he has clearly started to hold Carter in a higher regard than just his student or one of his students who he's probably right. had, you know, countless numbers of at this point. He's clearly held him in a higher regard and it, it didn't work out. And so, like, that's clearly had an effect on Benton but he's just such a like stoic personality and keeps everything inside so much that it has to come out in a kind of an emotional outburst like this. And it works so fucking well. I got chills watching this. And the yeah. two of them are always such good scene partners for stuff. Like oh this. yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. No, this, and I know we all, we always say goddamn Gloria Rubin. Can we say goddamn Eric LaSalle for once? Mm -hmm. Yeah. When it, just yeah. When, when, hot damn my dude. He spends so much time doing the like soft spoken very slow buttoned up buttoned up kind of over enunciating all of his words kind of thing that you forget that he's got this kind of fire in him like you forget that when he wants yeah. to let the tiger out of the cage he can let the tiger out of the cage a little bit yeah and it's when, so good when they let when they let him run mm -hmm. it's amazing yeah. and it seems like only two things ever bring that out in him on the series reese and carter mm -hmm. <laughs> it's very true his two sweet boys i know there's two problem children. Two problems. I'm real excited. I'm real excited for a few seasons from now where he fucking saves saves Carter's life and saves his ass. Yeah. Ugh. These two have like arguably my favorite scene in the entire series together. When he essentially kidnaps Carter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, my, I think my favorite is, and I think this is not just my favorite Carter and Benton moment. It might be my favorite moment in the entire series. 
is um again spoilers if you've made it you know 57 minutes into the fourth episode of season four i don't know why you're choosing this one to start with but um spoilers right after carter gets stabbed and yeah uh benton rushes down to yeah. help in the you know getting him insert into surgery. yeah i actually just i actually just watched that episode and when he just knocks the cop and the, uh, knocks the cop and just starts yelling from like halfway across the thing is he conscious yeah is he conscious like that that to me is like i think my favorite like if i have to pick one moment from the entire series i think that might be my favorite it's it's definitely up there do we want to go on to uh part two of our listening party yeah sure uh yeah we actually have the next with three se- uh, three scene and three scenes in a row of audio because uh, it's all so darn good um this is a family show so i say darn <laughs> but uh this next one mark is looking for carol Doug, have you seen Carol? Yeah, about five, six, pretty, packs an attitude. What are you reading? Some research. You? It's pain management for kids, an idea I had once. Carol, Carol. We got that autopsy report on the crack baby. He died in utero two days ago. Well, I guess we're both off the hook. Carol, it wasn't a matter of me believing you or not believing you. I would have been on your side. Well, maybe if you'd been on the patient's side earlier, none of this would have happened. What? I checked her chart. That woman had been in here four times in the past seven months. You saw her twice, never once did a pregnancy test. Was there reason to? Evidently, yes. So we're supposed to give pregnancy tests to every female crackhead who comes through the door? That's not what I'm saying. Then what? God forbid this woman ever finds out what her real malpractice suit is. I would back you up. Say there was no reason for a pregnancy test. The fact is we should have done something. What? What should we have done? We can't help people who can't help themselves. No, Mark. Those are exactly the people we should be helping. Several things here. Like, uh, number one, at the, at the beginning of this clip, uh, I do want to point out, because it's a very throwaway line, and I don't know that it was intentional, but it's definitely uh, it, it piqued my interest in hindsight. Uh, Doug, uh, Mark is talking to Doug, and he's asking him uh, what he's looking at, and he's like, research, uh, doing this you know research article. He's like, you research? He's like, yeah, pain management for kids. It's an idea I had once. Holy foreshadowing, mm. Batman. Holy shit. Like, that's... Mm. It's almost like that's the thing that'll bring him to... That'll get him uh, to leave the show. Right? Like, a full year ahead of time? Like, we're we're already yeah. kind of touching on this? And it's like, again, I, I don't know if this is intentional, because if it is, holy shit, that's good foreshadowing. Uh, if it's not, yeah, it's just a nice coincidence. But uh, secondly... I know we have a lot of medical people who listen to the show, nurses, some, you know, people who work within medical field like this. How expensive is a pregnancy test? Like, I don't, they know they sell them at the dollar store. Like, maybe just have every female patient that comes through piss on a stick. Like, maybe just have them do it because you could avoid situations like this. I can't imagine they're that expensive. As a female patient, every time I've ever gone to any urgent care or ding dang ER, I have had to pee on a stick. Well, they, for may, anything maybe maybe it was the does Doris not role. matter maybe it was after this maybe like i will tell them no that i am definitively not pregnant and they're like i don't care pee yeah. on this <laughs> it's just it's and maybe it's from shit like this that they're like no we can't take any chances anymore and they are so cheap right but yeah they, maybe maybe our maybe our wonderful nurse or medical listeners will be able to give us some more information on I this mean, but fuck they have me do it anytime there's anything involving an x-ray or an mri or which i like makes me laugh when you are like there is literally <laughs> no ding dang way i mean i just do it i just don't put up a fight I'm uh, kind of cur- curious so that one time it comes back positive to see what. Uh, that's a problem if it comes back positive. I know. A, I know. A, a, a very, we, we it's got... a very different problem. It's not pregnancy, but you know, you should still see. I mean, you're already at the doctor, Yikes. but yeah, very different problem. Yeah, that's what. That's why I was like, eh, you know what? My insurance was what my insurance fully covers everything. So you just put it out there for anyone who uh, anyone who doesn't know, if you have a penis and you pee on a, a pregnancy test even as a joke and it comes up positive, that's not funny. You should go to the doctor. Like that's that's a legitimate also gonna, problem. That is a sign of uh cancer. So go to the doctor. Yeah. I'm also gonna say you don't complain about it because it's probably easier for you. Yeah, just pee in a cup. We can cut this whole part out no, about peeing, fine. but oh, I want to cut this whole out about peeing, but I don't. Oh 
Okay. All right, listeners. <laughs> the Lizzie's win. I guess the pee conversation's staying in. Great. Um, <sighs> so, uh, moving on from there. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, we our final audio of the episode uh, in one of the, la- one of the last couple scenes here. Uh, Carrie's talking about... Uh, Carrie's uh, has a convers- little, little short conversation with Jeannie as she's getting ready to leave. Good. I'm glad you're still here. I'm surprised that you are. Jeannie, I had every right to be angry. I went to the mat for you. We had a deal. I couldn't just stand there and watch him die. You don't know that he would have. We were losing a pulse. It was worth the risk, Carrie. Jeannie, you made a decision to continue oh. working here, and I supported it, but sometimes our decisions affect more than just ourselves. And in this case, a man is still alive. I appreciate that, but we all agreed you'd work under specific guidelines. You have to stick to them. I know, I know. But if I had to do it again, I can't say I wouldn't do the same thing. Damn straight, Jeannie. Yep. Absolutely. A man is alive because you took action. But again, the two of them are great together, and I really appreciate how they handle this and that you know, they are starting to form Carrie's kind of, I don't want to say ruthless attitude, that's the wrong word. Adversarial attitude? No. St- not even stern. Severe. Kind of. I- I'm trying to think of words that are Colder. less like that. No. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to be able to come up with what mm. I want, but just, because then I'm like rigid, but no, none of these words they're are all, what I want to describe Carrie they're here. All very, but, it's coded language. Yeah, I, yeah, they're all very heavy language, so I can't think of how I actually want to say this, but just because un and I, then I go uncompromising. It's just nothing. None of it quite fits with how I want to say it, but managerial. Yeah, no, I mean, there is there is though. I think a subtle like gradient shift in her character. Right, like she's always been. Uh, kind of this way like ever since she's been on the show it's just been it's manifested in different ways um you know right. whether it be you know the kind of over eager um chief resident with mark you know and trying to change things in that way or like put rubbing people the wrong way to the point where people were celebrating when she was taking a day off like that kind of thing like it's manifested itself in different ways um but there has been this very like subtle gradient shift in her character as she's taken on more and more responsibility and she's moved into this more kind of administrative managerial capacity that is i think it's really good from a character building standpoint like she's she's still the same carry but she is just ever so slight it's hard it really is hard to put your finger on the exact wording of what it is like how to how to distill down her personality currently into a single word um, but it is, it's definitely different. It, I think this, this carry is distinctly different. Um, maybe not distinctly different, but is different from season two and season three carry. Like this is a different character. She's, she's grown and changed for better or worse. Um, Mark is leaving work and Cynthia sees him outside. Like she's just been there. Creepy. Um, but she asks Mark to walk her up to the platform and he offers to give her a ride because he says Humboldt Park is on his way home. Based on Chicago geography, no, it's not. Because <laughs> where's Humboldt Park? Uh, west side near Wicker Park and Logan Square. So more northwest side? Yeah, northeast west side. Because he's due west. I, yeah. I'm of the opinion, he's... though, that that's an intentional, like, he's, he's saying yeah, it's yeah, on his yeah. way, even though he knows it's not, just because he thinks she's cute and he wants to bone. Even though his dick don't work, Fair. this is the established I'll... in the last episode. To be fair, she is a beautiful woman. She's I'll, also I'll allow that uh, he's she's also it. banana sandwich crazy, like, and you can you yeah. smell yeah, that bad, coming from a mile but... away. Yeah, so I'll I'll allow that he's probably thinking with his penis here, but I was thinking with a map, and it's not on his way. Um, but then after that, Benton goes to Carla's place after work, and he walks in, and it's dark, and she is asleep, snuggling up with Reese in bed, which is very very sweet. Yeah, so that title is uh, the title of the episode. When the bow breaks is really morbid, considering what happens here. With with the a lot of, baby yeah, falling baby on its head. falling on its head, uh, dead kids in a school bus, uh, Reese's whole situation. Yeah. yeah, little little bit on the nose. A little bit on the nose. Yep. Yeah. Thoughts? Or do we want to do let's, listener? Let's hear a uh, listener response. Daniel, want to see what a tell us what a listener told sure. us about? Uh, this is from Michelle K, and I think this kind of uh, i think we talked about this a little bit earlier in the episode um sometimes people when they're they're listening along with us kind of conflate 
certain episodes and stuff because she mentions in here Dale, who doesn't appear in this episode, but I think he must be coming up. Uh, Dale is going to factor mm-hmm. into Benton and Carter's little arc here. So keep that in mind as we're going through here. But this is from Michelle Kay. Um, the scene between Carter and Benton was awesome. You see Benton finally letting out his disappointment that Carter left the program because he thought Carter had potential to be great. And you get to see Carter realize this fact. Uh, Benton wasn't just being an ass, but was hard on Carter because he thought he was worth it. Uh, Benton doesn't pay Dale any attention because he thinks he's a joke. So he doesn't jump on Dale and treat him as harshly because he doesn't see Dale as worthy of even Benton's scorn. Uh, it really lays an even stronger foundation for the bond between Carter and Benton in later seasons. And yeah, this is definitely, I think this, this is probably, I think one of the first or one of the best, first best examples of like the really, the foundation of what is Carter and Benton, the bromance relationship. Yeah. Like this is like, we're here now. Like we've, we've been doing three, three yeah. seasons worth of building up to this point, And it's like, now we're finally starting to see some payoff. And that's, what's so great about season it's, four. It's all payoff. It's like we said, seasons one through three are the prologue. Season four is the beginning of chapter one. Exactly. Yeah. So like, I, I mean, like I said, I'm a sucker for a good mass casualty episode. Mm-hmm. So I will always rate them. I will always uh, rate, rate them a little bit higher than normal. Yeah. So like, I'd give this one like an eight and a half out of 10. Lots of great world building, which is not a really, which is really weird. Like you think of it, you think of like world building, you think of like fantasy, sci-fi, stuff like that. But it's like, no, this does a really good job of like setting the stage. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of, for a lot of future stuff, like we're getting a lot in these early, in these early first few episodes of like stuff that's going to be genuinely impactful to these characters long term, which you can't really say necessarily a lot about a lot of season two and season three stuff. Yeah. Or season one. Season, so season uh, one for that matter. I think it was season three, uh, actually, last season, was notorious for being a, like a re- – it took a long time to get that ball rolling down the hill of like, okay, now we're getting to stuff that actually yeah. really matters. And um, here – and I think here too, I think they're playing a little bit of catch-up because of the kind of special nature of the premiere – you know being that it was it was the live episode yeah, i mean there was a few course. there was a few little things in there that that we i think we we remarked going through that episode we were um remarking how much uh stuff like more than what we were expecting uh in that episode ended up mattering it long term um so it wasn't as bad as i was anticipating it to be but the, I, I do think they are still playing a little bit of catch up uh trying to set things up and um it's amazing, like, these. We, we talked about it all episode long. These mass casualty episodes are always very, like, boom, 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 fast-paced, can't catch your breath, can't, you know, can't get your bearings straight as far as what's happening. And to, to take that kind of environment and then juggle so many different balls in the air in one episode, like, we're getting real, like, big-time storyline development with... Al and Jeannie, specifically Al's arc, which is coming to mm-hmm. a, an on-screen end. Um, Carter and Benton, you know, Doug and, uh, you know, Doug and Del- Doug's doing a lot of different things here. He's got some Delamico stuff going on. He's got Weaver stuff going on. He's got Carol stuff going on. Like, Doug's, Doug's kind of a utility player in this one. But, like, there's just so many different balls being juggled in this one, and they manage to pull it all together and still make a kind of really narratively tight episode that doesn't feel like it's got a lot of wasted motion. Like it's not an all time classic. I would say it's not a blizzard, but it's kind of like one notch below blizzard for me in terms of these mass casualty type episodes. Like it's it, it, a one or two little tweaks. And I think you'd have an all time great episode, but otherwise it's still like B plus a minus for sure. All right, well, that's about going to wrap up our episode for today, folks. Thank you all very much for listening, as always. This show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com slash podcast. For only a dollar a month, you can get access to our show notes each week, and for only $5 a month, you can get access to the full season recap episodes, a free sticker featuring our favorite desk clerk, Jerry, and two-week early access to all of our cast and crew interviews. Also, once our stretch goals are met, you'll get access to a monthly bonus show called The Lounge, where we'll talk about whatever's going on for us in our lives and pop culture in that moment as well as monthly movie reviews where we watch a movie featuring an ER cast member and pick it apart. We'd also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts. We are at SetTheToneER on Twitter. We are on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Podcast. No, we are at Podcast on Instagram. Also, be sure to check out the official Setting the Tone community on Facebook. 
Our theme music is provided to us by Andrew Edwards of Blue Police Box Music. And Daniel, where can folks find you at? They can find me on Instagram at dan.u, that is Y-O-U dot E-L. They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co-host Jake Terrell, where we do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trial. And Lauren, where can folks find you at? Folks can find me on my personal Twitter at lowbob92345, where I retweet cat photos and talk about video games. Entertainment, folks. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter. I am at randomgamer, that's J-A-M-3-R, as well as on the Popular Quartz YouTube channel doing a Let's Play of Pokemon Shield. New episodes of that are out every Friday, and you can find those videos and more at youtube.com slash thepopularquart. Thanks again, everyone, very much for listening. Please join us again next time, and have a great week. Bye.